So we look at what's going on with your physical health. How's your eating habits? How are you moving your body? Do you have any diseases? Are you on medications? Are you getting your screenings? Are you getting sunlight, sleep? And then on a mental health standpoint, like what are, what's going on in your mind, right? Are you overly stressed? Do you have healthy coping mechanisms or do you have a bunch of like unhealthy ways that you deal with, deal with life? What are you watching? What are you reading? What is like really what's going on in your mind, right? Welcome to Thriving with Diabetes, the podcast where we empower people with type 2 diabetes to live their best lives. I am your host, Gamden, a holistic wellness coach helping people overcome challenges related to type 2 diabetes. As a holistic wellness coach, I have dedicated my passion for health and wellness to helping people like you navigate the complexities of diabetes. I believe that with the correct knowledge, support, and mindset, you can uh, manage your health condition more effectively and lead a vital and fulfilling life. In today's episode of Thriving with Diabetes, we are talking about holistic wellness and lifestyle medicine to empower you on your health journey. I am pleased to introduce our guest, Brittany Cano, a passionate coach for holistic health with 15 years of experience as a critical uh, care nurse and various skills said that include personal uh, training, holistic health, coaching, mindfulness, and many more. During this episode, you will gain practical uh, tips and strategies for embracing uh, mindfulness, emotional wellness, and movement as medicine. I'm so excited to have our guest uh, with me today, uh, Brittany Cano. As you know that our podcast is about empowering people with type 2 diabetes to lead a more fulfilling lives. It is always inspiring to learn about our guests' uh, perspectives and experiences. But before we dive uh, into our discussion, I would love uh, from Brittany uh, to introduce herself, share some background about her and what she does. So without further ado, I will hand it over to uh, Brittany to introduce uh, herself. Uh, Brittany, welcome to uh, Thriving with Diabetes podcast. Thank you, Gamben, and hello, everyone. Great to be here with you today. So yes, like Gamben said, I've been in critical care nursing for over 15 years which has come with a lot of learning and a lot of caring for people. 
and about 10 years in about 10 years ago actually is when I really made a pivot in my life personally I was suffering from gastritis or heartburn all of the time uh, since I was probably like 14 years old I was partying a lot with my friends and really as I look back, avoiding a lot of uh, pain and suffering with unhealthy coping mechanisms. But I didn't really realize that was what was going on. But I had this experience where I knew I needed to change my lifestyle. Like I could look around at people that were older than me, even some people my age at the time, who were really just overall suffering with their health, not really doing well mentally, just not on a good track and I knew I had to make some some changes myself so I started making those changes and around the same time is when I really started noticing how a lot of the patients that I would see would come back into ICU um, and they had preventable diseases and so that's really when I got into the holistic wellness coaching and really am so glad that I did because as human beings, we really have the ability so much of the time to manage our diseases, to heal and overcome them and really live a life, not just of surviving, but to thrive. So really that's what I do now. I work a lot with people who are at that crossroads in their life. They've been maybe so dedicated to work, so dedicated to uh, taking care of their family, that they've lost themselves. They've uh, now at a place where they're, you know that they really need to start making some changes. And so that's really how I work with my clients who are at that crossroads, ready to change uh, their their life for the better. Brilliant. Amazing uh, uh, story and uh, background to share about you and your uh, health journey. Uh, as you know, that uh, holistic uh, wellness is all about uh, body, mind, and spirit. How do you uh, define holistic wellness and why it is fundamental uh, or a, fu a fundamental aspect of our life? Right, yeah. When I work with clients, I look at the whole being. So not just like their physical health or their mental health all aspects, like you said, because everything really is connected. And so it's important that we look at and work with ourselves and clients as a whole. So I work with clients from the biopsychosocial spiritual model, which is physical health. So we look at what's going on with your physical health. How's your eating habits? How are you moving your body? Do you have any diseases? Are you on medications? Are you getting your screenings? Are you getting sunlight, sleep? And then on a mental health standpoint, like what are, what's going on in your mind, right? Are you overly stressed? Do you have healthy coping mechanisms or do you have a bunch of like unhealthy ways that you deal with, deal with life? What are you watching? What are you reading? What is like really what's going on in your mind, right? We, I always in, inspire uh, patients and clients to really question our thoughts because our mind will tell us all kinds of things and it's not always true. But we can take our mind, our thoughts, like it's true. Uh, and a lot of times it's not. So really looking at the beliefs, do they build us up or do they break us down? And the good thing about beliefs is that we can recreate beliefs that support us and that are going to have us live a life that we want to live. And then social life. So social life is all our relationships, our relationships with ourselves, 
our relationships with our job, right? What's going on in your career and your job and your hobbies, the things you do for fun. Do you have access to care in the community that you're in or, or do you not have resources? And then the spiritual life. So when I say spiritual, a lot of times people think that, oh, it's religion. Either I have a religion, I don't have a religion. Spirituality can include religion. And it's also like, what is that that connects you to something greater than yourself? And whether that is a higher power or whether that is your purpose, your mission. And also in spirituality, having a forgiveness practice, a compassion practice, you know, living to be the best person you can be. So I look at, we look at all of that and see how things are working together and also how there may be different areas that are not working. And then we come up with a plan. And it's so important because we are these whole beings. We are holistic beings. So if you're working with somebody who doesn't get that, it's important that as a patient or as a consumer, we remember that it really takes this 360 approach for healing. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, thank you for sharing this great information. So it's not about one thing or one aspect of health, because sometimes a person might say, I have tried this, but it didn't work. So without looking at like the broader uh, view of health. Right. Yeah. We can say, okay, I tried to exercise and it didn't work. Then the question is, why didn't it work? Maybe like mentally, you didn't believe you could. You had so many stressors, your environment, right? You're dealing with so many things in your environment that you weren't actually even making it to, you know, you weren't exercising or there's a physical limitation. So really looking at the whole picture and it's kind of like detective work, right? Discovering what's working, what's not working, and then asking those deeper questions of, okay, like, why is this this way? what's really going on here and like getting underneath the surface. So that's one of the things with holistic that I appreciate is that it's not just surface level, right? We're really looking to see what's going on underneath the surface. And I find like in traditional medicine, so much of the time it's like, okay, I have diabetes. Here's the pill. You might get a, a consult for a dietitian. You may or may not. And with diabetes, looking at that from all, holistic view, there are a lot of things, stress, right? Having an increase in cortisol and adrenaline uh, chronically is going to raise your blood sugar, right? It's going to cause the, the liver to cre create increased blood sugar, right? We're going to have problems there. So there's so many things to look at when, when we look at the lens of type 2 diabetes of why is my blood sugar elevated? And then what can I do about it? aside from medication, right? What is that holistic approach? And there really is a holistic approach to manage it. And sometimes people are able, as you know, to reverse it completely. Brilliant. Uh, very helpful uh, insights uh, from uh, Brittany. Uh, let me uh, ask you a question about mindfulness and uh, uh the I mean uh, emotional wellness as well in terms of uh, managing diabetes. Why is mindfulness uh, crucial specifically for uh, people with uh, type two diabetes, and how can it uh, benefit those living with uh, diabetes for years? 
Okay, great question. So for those of you listening who aren't familiar with mindfulness, it's the practice of living in the present moment from a place of non-judgment. So, so much of the time our mind is processing stuff from the past, planning or worrying about the future. So it's the practice of bringing ourselves into the present moment where life is happening from that place of non-judgment. We're judgmental beings as humans. (laughs) So that's why it's a practice. And also from that place of curiosity, from that place of compassion and kindness. So I'll give you an example of how this could be supportive for somebody with diabetes. Uh, let's give the example of you go to eat. You're at a you're at a buffet, right? I think you know you go into a grocery store and it's kind of like a buffet. <laughs> There's so many different options. So with mindfulness, we're able to be aware of what's going on with us in the moment. Let's say we hadn't eaten lunch and we're starving. We're like Phil, not starving, but you get what I mean. We're really hungry. Your appetite is really high. With mindfulness, we're aware, okay, this is what's happening to me right now. I want to get all the cookies and cakes and chips and like open up a bag and eat it right now because I didn't eat lunch. So with mindfulness, we're aware that that's going on and we can make the choice to either act on that and just open up the bag of cookies and eat them while we're going through the store. And we can also make the choice because we have that awareness to say, okay, I need to get me like a protein shake and sip on this. And like, really, I know that I want to make mindful choices on what I'm going to put in this cart and go through the perimeter and get more whole foods, more real foods, because we have that awareness. It creates that awareness and also puts us in closer relationship with choice, right? So instead of just impulsively doing things or not doing things with mindfulness, we have that heightened awareness to say, hold on, does this support my greatest good? We bring the curiosity in. Is this what's best for me? Is this what's best for my diabetes? Or is this just me wanting, you know, what I want right now, which is totally fine. And at least we have that heightened awareness to decide what's going to support me best and asking those curious questions to support our health the best. So I hope that answered the question. Thank you for sharing uh, this information and uh, if you can share some uh, uh, some more practical uh, uh, tips regarding mindfulness, uh, you just mentioned that uh, number one is we need to live the current uh, present or moment, regardless of what we did or to what we might do in the future or worry about something in the future you can share something that can improve our uh, like uh, emotional health or wellness. Yes, yeah. And, and great thing, you, like, I'm glad you brought that up like that, right? It's like, okay, that's great tips, but like, how do I do that, <laughs> right? Like, oh, that's great to, to do that, but where do you even start? So it, a great place to start, believe it or not, is with the breath. And then people may not uh, really, if they don't have a breath work practice or aren't used to mindful breathing, may say, well, how's that going to do anything? But really, our breath has the ability to self-regulate. So when we're anxious, when our emotions are heightened, when we're angry, we're going to breathe a certain way versus when we're calm or feel safe, we have the ability to breathe, you know, we breathe different. So mindful breath 
dropping those shoulders, breathing on the in-breath down into the belly, and then a nice long exhale out through the mouth. And I would encourage everybody to take some breaths like that with me if you're listening. So breathing in through the nose, let the belly rise, and then exhaling either out through the mouth or out through the nose and letting the exhale be nice and long. So it starts to create that sense of self-soothing, that sense of self-regulation. And then from there, we can start to cue in and say, what's going on emotionally, right? Like, ooh, I'm anxious right now. Oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Or, oh, I'm really excited and I feel really happy. So the breath is always with us. We breathe like 20,000 breaths a day. Yet, how many of them are we even aware of until we, (laughs) you know, have this practice that we're breathing and it's a great way to self-soothe because it can, it really works with the nervous system. It works with the vagus nerve when we breathe down into the belly like that. It also helps bring us into the present moment. So it's a great starting place for people on their mindfulness journey. Even if you've been practicing mindfulness for 50 years, you're still gonna anchor into the breath on a regular basis. And it also gives us that ability to question, like what's going on with me emotionally, right? What do I really need right now? Because a lot of times we're disconnected from that. What do I really need right now? What's going on with me emotionally? We get so identified with either our thoughts or our mind that or thoughts or our emotions that we sometimes think we are our thoughts or we are our emotions. And yet there is actually a, a separation between them. And when we can remember that, the, oh wait, I'm not this emotion. I'm not these thoughts. It's really a way to live a more empowered life. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. And uh, you just mentioned that uh, it helps. I mean, uh, uh, breathing helps with uh, the nerve system. And this will lead us to the next uh, question. Uh, we, uh, I want to explore uh, a little bit about the nerve system regulation uh, in holistic health and wellness uh, care. So if you can uh, share some information about uh, the nerve nerve system regulation uh, as part of uh, holistic health and how it impacts a person with type 2 diabetes. Yes, and nervous system regulation is something I became extra, extra passionate about during the pandemic, working full-time in the ICU right outside of New York City, and then running my business full-time. So I was working my butt off, thinking I should be able to work more, do more. I don't know if anybody listening has ever felt like that. Like, I should be able to do more than I'm doing right now. And And yet you're still working a ton. And my body started giving me signs of burnout. I ended up with, again, my stomach is my is my area when something's off with me, like my gut. Some people get headaches. Some people can't sleep. Some people are like constantly irritable, cannot focus. All of these things I want to encourage the listeners to pay attention to. Instead of being like, what's wrong with my body? What's wrong with my mind? Use this information, like, like I was saying earlier, like as a detective, because our bodies are genius. They're trying to tell us something. There's really gold in this information if we start to explore like, okay, what is my body trying to communicate to me? So I have the, at least the wisdom to say, okay, 
these, these GI symptoms, something's going on with me because I hadn't experienced them like this for years. And yet here I was again. And so with the nervous system, I realized I was dysregulated. I was in, so the nervous system to make it really simple. If you think it is the opera, one of the operating systems of the body, it helps maintain homeostasis or balance. And it really controls so many functions from the brain helps, you know, coordinate the, the muscles, the temperature it works with the metabolisms. It's very, very important. You know, all of our systems in the body work together, but the nervous system, you know, think about all our brain function coming from the nervous system, the spinal cord. So two parts of it, parasympathetic, which is our rest, digest, reproduce, and then sympathetic, which is when we're taking action, it's that fight, flight, or freeze. And so what I find so much of the time with clients I work with is that they're in the sympathetic dominance, right? They're not able to really rest, not really having that sense of calm, taking time off, uh, having these practices that really ground them, bring that sense of peace and regulation. They're always on the go or they're always in that fear mode or survival mode. Even if, let's say this is somebody who's wheelchair bound, they might be in their mind worrying about like, where's the next, where's the next like thing that I need to take care of myself? Whether it's where, how am I going to get my medication? How am I going to um, get to my appointments? Right. In that constant state of like worrying, planning and feeling like you're under constant threat, like things are about to go down, even though you're relatively safe. So in that sympathetic dominance, there's all kinds of things and it affect, it can affect diabetes. One being like I talked about earlier, increase in adrenaline and cortisol. So that causing your heart rate to go up, your blood pressure to go up, your body to uh, increase blood sugar, right? The, all of these stress hormones have over time have a toxic effect and play a role on diabetes. Um, it also can affect our brain and how we make choices and how we manage stress. It can lead to depression, anxiety, all of these things making it harder to do the things that you need to do to manage diabetes. And on the flip side, the great thing is that we can regulate this nervous system. There are things that we can do so that things are in balance. And some of those things include from a holistic perspective is doing more of the things that you enjoy that are healthy. <laughs> some people might be like, well, I like to go to the bar. Okay. Not that, but like doing like, whether it's playing with your animal or your child or your grandchild, going for walks, uh, doing art, listening to music that makes you feel good, uh, laughing, really enjoying life. These are things that we can do that are going to help expand our window of tolerance and help our nervous system. The breath work, practicing mindfulness, practicing like some kind of meditation that helps put you in that more relaxed state. All of these things are going to support the nervous system and help create that create that balance. Brilliant uh, information. And I was going to ask you uh, to share uh, some uh, uh, practical tips to help regulate the nerve system, but you already uh, answered <laughs> that. And now you took, uh, uh, you took us back again to the main point, holistic health and wellness. So 
now you mentioned many things and uh, we cannot just do one thing uh, and expect uh, a good result sometimes uh, or just uh, as you mentioned now uh, the simple thing about uh, the nerve system is like there is a message or a, uh, a signal from our body and we should uh, respond appropriately to that message, right? Well, with the nervous system, like when we have those trauma responses, that flight, fright, or freeze, they're going to, they're automatic. They're going to kick in automatically. Like we don't really get the opportunity to like think our way out of it. They're automatic responses. But with the practice of mindfulness, with awareness, with uh, being more in tune with our body, we're able to recognize that that's what's happening and then do those things that we need to to self-soothe. And I always encourage people not to wait until you're in a state where you feel like out of control or shut down, rather to start practicing these things when you feel good on a regular basis, on a daily basis, right? Doing these things that help bring calm and bring enjoyment into your life. Do them every single day. And uh, piggyback off what you said about like holistic wellness, like doing one thing is not gonna change everything. They're, they all overlap. So for example, going for a walk with a friend is gonna provide physical benefit, right? You're moving your body, you're getting sunlight, it depends where you're at, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, here in Florida, we get we get sunlight, but I know a lot of places we're going into a uh, time where there's not sunlight. But you're outside, you're with nature. Yeah. So there can also be that spiritual benefit, right? You're connected with nature. You can practice gratitude while you're walking with your friend. You're getting that social benefit as well. Um, you're connecting with someone that you enjoy. And then you also can get the mental benefit depending on what the conversation is between you two. Like if you're talking about things that are great for your growth, great for your healing, great for your mind. So in, in that one act of going for a walk with a friend, it can be a holistic practice, right? It can in, in, engage all of those areas of our life. So I want people to keep it simple and, and know that it doesn't have to be this big, hard thing. We can make it simple and enjoyable and yet really effective. So that, that piece of intention makes a big difference because we could also go on a walk with a friend and drink a milkshake and have a thing of fries and talk about how much we hate our lives and how horrible everything is. And then, you know, we're getting the benefit of walking, but we're also have these other things that are, you know, potentially working against this us. Is, so that power of intention is powerful. This is a great example. Just by doing one activity, you, you can make it positive or negative. Is, so from just one activity, uh, like walking, as you mentioned, you can uh, have like, especially in the summer, you can get exposure to the, the sun, light for vitamin D, for example. You will have some sort of uh, exercise, connection, uh, improving uh, mental health. So you just one activity can uh, uh, target uh, different areas. And if we take it like the opposite, 
So it can uh, be negative, as you mentioned. We can go outside then, but what what we practice there, either mentally or physically, like we eat uh, uh, unhealthy food, start thinking uh, negatively, so it won't help. Yeah, I love that recap of that. It's it's so true. Like we can, we and the great thing is that we have that choice of what we do. Right, exactly. it's the same activity of going for a walk with a friend, and yet we can use that experience to enhance our health, enhance our life. You know, elevate our quality of living, or it can tear us down, break us down, potentially work against our health. Brilliant. And then as simple as that power of intention and that power of choice. Uh, amazing uh, information. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, this will take us to the next uh, uh, part of this episode. Uh, as you know that some uh, health experts or coaches use the term movement as medicine, which highlights uh, the importance of physical activity in uh, diabetes management and overall health. Uh, why is it, uh, or why is movement or exercise uh, considered as medicine in holistic wellness, and how does it contribute to improving the lives of people with type 2 diabetes? Yeah, I mean, we're designed to move as humans. Like, we are not designed to sit behind a computer or TV or phone all day long. Like, we are meant to get up and move. That's how we are created as beings. And so there's so many benefits from engaging our muscles, using our, you know, for our bones. It helps prevent osteoporosis when we're exercising our heart, our blood vessels, like everything benefits from the act of exercising. And it also helps lower our insulin resistance. Um, For people with type two diabetes, it's another reason to move our bodies. And also that mental health component of exercising. So it releases neurotransmitters that help elevate the mood, boost the mood, actually create more energy unless you're doing like a super intense workout then you might be exhausted afterwards, but moderate exercise, right? Boost of energy, all of these things in which we need for our overall health. And I know some people might not be able to walk, right? You might not be able to go for a walk. In those cases, I say try to find a pool if you have access to getting into a pool, Um, Because that's great if you have joint issues or you're not able to really walk around. Or even if you're bound to a chair, like there are exercises that you can do from a seated position. So given wherever you're at with your physical mobility, like increasing your physical activity for most people. Some people are extra um, on the go and extra active. But for a lot of people, we're not active enough. So really making sure every single day you're moving your body, you're going for those walks and also adding in strength training a few days a week because it also has that positive effect on our hormones and, you know, diabetes 
is affected, you know, it affects our hormones. And so it has a positive effect in overall management of diabetes and even in combination with other lifestyle changes in potentially reversing type 2 diabetes. I just was with a woman over the uh, a couple days ago and she was type 2 diabetic. She made the lifestyle changes. The doctors wanted to put her on medication and she said, hey, give me three months. Let me do the things that I need to do and see if I can, if my hemoglobin A1C drops. And sure enough, she did. She managed her stress, started eating better, started moving more, and she is not on medication. And her hemoglobin A1C, which is an indicator, you know, if you're diabetic, dropped. So there's so much power in lifestyle as medicine and exercise movement as medicine. It's, it's very powerful, and I think that it, it shouldn't be underestimated. You know, it's free to go for a walk. It's free to do some body weight push-ups, squats, doing some things in place. If you're bound to a chair, doing those leg lifts, using weights with your arms if you're able to use your arms, and doing it, starting where you're at and doing it consistently, building upon that. But definitely... We're meant to move. We're meant to, to move on a regular daily basis. I can't emphasize that enough. Great. Okay. Thank you for sharing uh, uh, this information. And uh, uh, you know that uh, sedentary lifestyle uh, is uh, a factor when it comes to type 2 diabetes. Uh, I wanted to comment on this. If, like, uh, if I do, let's say... Uh, I do uh, weekly workout, uh, let's say three times, maybe about 30 minutes or one hour. Does this, uh, is this enough? So uh, the rest of the day I don't move or, I sh uh, or should I move throughout the day even if I have... Uh, uh, an exercise uh, routine or plan? Great question. I'm so glad you asked that. So great job on the three days a week of doing the workout, right? If you're somebody who's working out three days a week, awesome. And it's not enough to offset sedentary lifestyle. We need to be up and moving. I tell people get up and move every single hour. Move your body. I tell people if you did CrossFit, which is a very intense boot camp style of workout, five days a week, an hour a day, but you sit behind a computer screen the rest of the time, or you sit, you know, and watch TV on the couch the rest of the time, that is not enough physical activity to offset all of that sitting. So, sitting, though, there's a, they, there was a campaign a while back, like sitting is the new smoking. So, you really do need to get up and move. It doesn't have to be anything like extravagant, but get up and walk around your house. Get up and walk around the office. Walk down to the block and back. Move your body. Do something called exercise snacks. Do five squats. Do 10 wall push-ups. Like bring your legs in place. Like every hour while you're awake, move your body because it sedentary lifestyle, like you said, Gumbun, is linked to type 2 diabetes and heart disease as well. And just thinking if you, when you move, it also actually activates your energy and increases energy. I think anybody can attest if you like 
sit on the couch or sit in your chair behind your computer for like three hours, you're like, gosh, I'm so tired. But if you were to like get up and move a little bit, you wouldn't be so tired. Like a body in motion stays in motion. It's so important to move throughout your day, regardless of if you're doing intense um, training. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that as well. Uh, I think there is a term, I mean, there is a, a saying or term is, is well known, use it or lose it. Uh, so uh, if we don't uh, stimulate our uh, muscles, so we lose muscle, right? We do, we definitely do. And as we age, we lose our muscle mass faster. So even more reason why we need to add in that strength training. We lose the muscle mass, which therefore slows our metabolism, which therefore, again, puts us at risk for type 2 diabetes, also puts us at risk for osteoporosis, later on puts us at risk for falls, um, and just overall not being able to do the things that we want to do in life. Like, if you have grandkids, get down on the ground with the grandkids. You want to go for a walk with your friend. Like, if you don't use it, you lose it, and all of those things are going to be so much harder. So even more reason for quality of life to stay active, stay active. Brilliant. Uh, so uh, you agree with the term uh, movement is medicine. <laughs> I definitely do. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> for so many reasons. Uh, yeah. For me, honestly, when I started exercising regularly, uh, like I used to suffer from like depression and like in the mornings I feel so like sad and down. And once I started exercising consistently, I'd say like three to six months in, like I didn't have that anymore. Like I didn't feel sad when I woke up in the morning. Like it really changed my neurochemistry. Like it changed the way my brain worked. So they've done studies with antidepressants and exercise and placebo groups and the antidepressant and exercise groups are pretty much even like, as far as when it comes to symptoms of anxiety and depression. So I, I love exercise and movement for that reason as well, for what it does for mental health. Thank you for sharing your own experience as well. Uh, yes. You have already mentioned uh, some lifestyle changes that we should implement. Uh, are there any, uh, like, some key, uh, some more key lifestyle changes that you can recommend or advise, uh, advise people to uh, start uh, implementing, especially those uh, suffering from type 2 diabetes. So uh, the, the lifestyle changes, uh, changes should be like uh, a strategy uh, they can follow. Okay. So managing stress, reducing stress, um, you can find all kinds of information. I'm also a great resource for, for that. That's something that I really support people with is managing stress, reducing stress, having healthy coping mechanisms. So some of the things that we can do to manage stress are set healthy boundaries. Like if you're somebody who's saying yes all the time and you have no time for yourself and you really want to say no, I would encourage you to uh, find some supportive ways to say no to things that you don't absolutely have to do and you don't want to do so that you can say yes to your well-being, so that you can say yes to your health. That's just you know one very simple thing when it comes to 
to managing stress and also prioritizing if you're somebody who's on the go all the time, prioritizing your rest as well, making sure that you're getting quality sleep and enough sleep, making sure that you're taking time where you're not working, not planning, not taking care of everybody else. And I know for people who are in that boat, it can seem like that's impossible for me to do. So even starting with a few minutes, right? Starting to take a few minutes to yourself where you just enjoy enjoy the clouds going out in the sky or enjoy the birds chirping, whatever it is, but starting to really start to protect your time of peace. Um, another thing is community. Community is huge. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Do you have people who support you and lift you up or are the people in your life like tearing you down or engaging in habits that are destructive for your health or not supportive of you and your goals. So community is huge. Nowadays, we have the ability to connect with people from all around the world. So I know a reason can be like, well, there's nobody. I live in a very small town. There's nobody here. I get that. I grew up in a very small town. I felt like that before. And when there's a will, there's a way. There are amazing communities all throughout the world, even if it's connecting with them virtually to start with, right? Find a positive, uplifting community. There's millions of them, you know, at, at this point. So those would be, um, you know, in addition to practicing like the mindfulness, practicing um, eating, eating well, eating wholesome foods, eating uh, balanced nutrition, drinking enough water and moving our body. Those, those are some other things that I would say are super important. Managing stress managing stress and surrounding yourself with people who who lift you up brilliant uh great uh, lifestyle uh, changes if we uh, start uh, implementing them so we can see uh, uh, a big uh, difference in our life very important uh, points you mentioned now uh, i have got another question uh, for you before we finish this episode, uh, what inspiring message or advice would you like to leave with uh, our viewers and listeners, especially those suffering from type 2 diabetes? Oh, I would like to share that regardless of where you're at right now in life, it doesn't have to define your future. And to um, practice like being, like being okay and appreciating where you are on your journey. You know, we're already whole, we're already enough. And I think, you know, in today's society, we really, with capitalism, we focus on what's missing, um, everything is broken. And so remembering that we're whole already and through this healing journey, through this, um, doing these practices to manage our diabetes or manage, you know, reverse diabetes, it's just bringing us more in alignment with who we, who we truly are, you know, um, but that we're already okay where we're at. Cause I think we can get into a mindset of where I'm at is not right. I'm wrong. And that's, you know, part of the human journey, right? There's always room to grow. There's always room to expand. So practicing that self-compassion piece is really important that 
part of being human is that we're going to have issues. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have hardships and that it's okay. And not to get too lost in that and, and to stay connected to the present moment and stay connected to what's possible. Cause we can also think like diabetes defines me or whatever's happened in the past defines me or what happened with my family defines me. And it doesn't have to. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing your inspiring message. How do uh, how do uh, people uh, find you if they want to get in touch, learn more about you and what you do? Perfect. Yeah, I'd say the easiest place is my website because then you can find me on social media from there. So it's holisticnursecoaches.com. And then through there, you have the option to either sign up and get a video that really helps. We talked a little bit about emotion. It's called Emotional Freedom Technique. So it's a great mind-body practice. There's a video that you can opt in and get, or there's an option to connect with me via like a, a call like this, via a Zoom call. So holisticnursecoaches.com. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing uh, your uh, contact information. Uh, I think we have come uh, to the end of this uh, episode. Uh, first and foremost, I would like to express my uh, sincere gratitude to our amazing guest, uh, Brittany uh, Cano, for uh, generously sharing her expertise, insights, and time with us today. Your contribution has truly elevated this episode, and I deeply appreciate uh, the information you have uh, provided. I want also to thank every one of you, our dedicated viewers and listeners who uh, has been uh, a part of this uh, episode. If you are seeking uh, additional assistance and support, I encourage you to uh, book a discovery call with me at wellnessimpact.org Uh, during this call, we can uh, uh, we can we can uh, discover or explore uh, how I can uh, help you on your health uh, journey, and uh, see how I can help you uh, further. If you found uh, today's uh, episode insightful and valuable, I encourage you to join uh, our community at people who are committed to thriving with diabetes. Uh, to stay up to date for uh, upcoming episodes, uh, empowering uh, discussions and practical tips, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And for those who prefer other uh, uh, podcasts, Uh, platforms such as uh, Spotify, you can follow uh, the Thriving with Diabetes podcast. Uh, once again, uh, thank you, uh, Brittany, for being a guest uh, on our podcast. Uh, thank you, everyone, who has been uh, uh, watching this uh, episode or listening uh, to it. Uh, until next time, Take care of your health and keep thriving.
Thank you, Gamba, and thank you, everyone.